right, welcome to Yuppies and Harpoons. This is a special edition podcast. I'm the co-host, Joe Moeller. With me is my buddy, my friend, Jacob. What'd you think of the debate? Oh, good evening, everyone. Yeah, fresh off the debate. We're about 28 minutes uh, since it ended. Um, oh, interesting debate. Yeah, sure. it's the Republican debate. We should interject here. Yes. We're yeah. talking about the Republican primary debate that just happened. The, the first, yeah, the first Republican primary debate, August 23rd here. Um, so, yeah, we had a number of candidates on stage. was not as crowded as past debates, such as in 2016 when there was a full room. Um, so I think that allowed for a lot more conversation from each candidate. Really, I think the moderators did a really good job of allowing each candidate to share and, and fairly equal time, which I think is, is good to get a good overview of everyone. Um, and yeah, I think some, some winners for sure. Some people who had a lot to gain and, and didn't quite perform as well. And we'll definitely dive into thoughts around that. But yeah, w- what about yourself, Joe? Oh, I thought it was interesting. Um, I'm still wrestling with the question of whether Trump should have gone or not. Um, mm. But I mean, the recent polling's just been so absurd with him being so far ahead. Uh, I mean, he's almost not quite, but he's if you look if you look at the, like some of the CBS polls, like I think they came out, or maybe CBS or NBC, he was up by I think he was in the low 60s, and DeSantis was like in at 16 or something. I mean, that's that's Biden Kennedy range. And I don't think anybody really believes that Joe Biden owes Robert Kennedy a, a debate, debate, you know? Yeah. So yeah. when you're getting into the territory. 538 polls right now, the average for today at least is, is 52% Trump. DeSantis 15.2. Ramaswamy at 9.7. And then Pence, Scott, Haley all around 3 and 4%. And then the rest are just names. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you're you're seeing that. I mean, when you when you average it out, it's obviously closer. Uh, it just seems like there's, I don't know, with the recent indictments and really the campaigns haven't really been going anywhere. And so I, I I've thought about this before that I'm not sure what to make of the current situation. Like it, that, like everyone already thinks the race is over. Um, I have no idea if that, that if that's a legitimate viewpoint or not. Um, no, I don't. I because, don't think at all. Yeah, I mean, we're so early, and and now you know we have the first exposure of the candidates to uh, to the people. You can start having you know clips go viral. Um, you know, clips are starting start, start going to be shared in uh, in TV ads. Um, I mean, yeah, th- this is where this sort of stuff is is generated. You think of all the the iconic debate moments that have happened over the years. Um, all you need is one thing to go viral. And so I don't know if there was much of that tonight, mm-hmm. but um, I, I think to like say that this, this is a shoe in is, is still, it's still a little premature. We need to see how the first, at least the first couple of debates get received. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you look at any past debate, especially the first one, uh, like Marco Rubio, did really well early on. And then obviously he never really amounted to anything. Um, so he did well tonight does not mean the next debate, they're going to shine like they did or and vice versa. The people you did poorly, maybe learn and then grow from it. Um, yeah. I guess on, on top of, of bringing up Trump too, 
you know, I'm a big believer. If, if you're going to run, people need to hear from you. Chump's take is people know who I am. I think he tweeted that out or truthed it out or whatever you call it now. Um, that, you know, people already know who he is and what he stands for. Um, at the same time, it was nice that he wasn't there because you actually heard from other folks. It wasn't a Trump show. But I, I do think there's a responsibility to show up at debates. Um, we saw that in Pennsylvania and the governor race here um, in, in 2022. Doug Mastriano did not show up to debates. Uh, that really bothers me and in some other situations. I, I think there's there's a duty if you're running to to show up to debates. But at the same time, it's almost nice that he wasn't there to dominate the conversation. Yeah, yeah. So well, I'm not sure Mastriano would have had anything interesting to say knowing him. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I don't know it's Separate like when, you're, when you're questioning the Jewishness of your, you know, of your cat, of your opponent, then it's like, it's best he doesn't show up, but whatever, that's a side <laughs> tangent. Um, but well, I mean, what was your, who, who do you think performed the best in your, in your view? I'm, I'm curious for your take. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, a little bias here, but Nikki Haley, I think, did really well, and, and so does Christie, uh, Chris Christie, I think. Especially, I don't think a lot of people expected much from Chris Christie, um, shows in, in the polling data as well. Um, but, you know, I think both of them showed up with very clear talking points, very clear um, action points as well, not just, uh, you know, look at me, but, you know, here's how we're going to implement these policies, um, which is, I think is huge. Um, and they did that in a clear, concise way. And they also were able to kind of fight their points um, when when questioned. And I think that they really shine on the stage. I'm really curious how polling will reflect um, post this debate for those two individuals. Chris Christie kind of has this mixed review. Um, I don't think a lot of people love the man, um, but he definitely, I don't, I don't know if his ideas match people's perception of him sometimes. Um, so that'll be interesting to see if, if people kind of lighten up with him. Mm -hmm. um, I think Pence did very well as well in the same way, but he's very much Pence. He's Mike Pence. We kind of know what we were expecting. Conservative. Um, he's a, a Christian. I think he he's also pushing the points that many people are avoiding, such as bringing up reforming Social Security. No one else on the debate stage will even mention that. Um, and Pence has been very open uh, for well, many years now about reforming social security. <clears throat> yeah. I thought that, um, my, my takeaway was, was Pence was a little, just a little too forceful, just a little mm. bit. Um, but that's exactly what he needed to do because everyone right. was getting lulled to sleep with it's oh, it's, it's Mike Pence, you know, right. he came out swinging, man. And did. I didn't, I, I did not expect that. I mean, he went after Ramaswamy and he did. I, I don't I don't think Ramaswamy expected it honestly, because um, yeah. <laughs> he didn't. I mean, I think Ramaswamy expected some flack from Christie, and he had some stuff prepared. But Pence just took him to town, and um, I thought that Pence, um, the strength was, you know, people people get on Mike Pence a lot, and I think it's um, in part because people think he's too polished. But I've always 
I guess I'm old school in that I appreciate a good polished politician. I mean, like I, I think you need to be able to do your job, you present well. And Pence mm-hmm. is just a phenomenal presenter. I've, I've always liked the way he gives speeches. I've always liked the way he, he tries to build up the confidence of his audience. I mean, he, he does, he's a very good speaker. And, you know, and then when you combine that with, it was very black and white for him, what his position was. Like yes. on abortion, you heard him heckling into the mic, like, what you really want to allow, you know, third trimester abortions? That's un- that's immoral. It's wrong. You know, we need to do a, you know, wh- whatever your opinion is on that. Like you heard Mike Pence, you you heard his view. Very uh, you heard his controversial view. topics. He's he's yeah. And, and on Ukraine, I thought, I mean, mm-hmm. I I thought he did a phenomenal job. He stood up. It, it, it felt like for a moment that the old Republican Party, like, was was not just like back, but it was. It, it was back with energy and and, yes. and, and, and tenacity and um, and I, I and so I don't know how it's going to be reflected in the polling, but I, I can say as um, as someone who was watching that I I was definitely I, I think if in terms of who achieved their goal, I left that debate thinking about Mike Pence. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what his campaign needs because no one's thinking about. Mike Pence right now. He barely, you know, he actually polls pretty well um, compared to the rest of the group, I guess. Like he is the poll, polling wasn't his issue. No one was giving him any money. <laughs> you know, um, no one was donating to his campaign. So he has a lot of people who say, yeah, I'll vote for you, but I won't give you any money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I thought he did. I thought he did. He, he well exceeded expectations for me. Um, I actually thought, and I, um, had really high expectations for uh, Ramaswamy. I thought he flopped, honestly. Yes. I, I, he came off as like there. There was something that was kind of childish and funny when um, at that moment when, when like when DeSantis was asked, and it was a bad look for DeSantis when they're asked like, "Would you support more funding for Ukraine?" And DeSantis is like, you know, and Ramaswamy goes like, you right. know testing the weather but he has this look on his face where he's smiling kind of with like the space between his teeth like you know and it's just like okay yeah i get it i I get it are we in fifth grade like are you gonna give a wet lily too i mean come on like (laughs) you know um and so i I thought i thought he came off kind of kind of childish and frankly showed his age um Mm -hmm. like in in a a way that was not i mean because he needs to show that he is mature enough. And so a joke like that, it might skate by if you're 50, but no one's going to, the optics have to look really, really bad if you're 38, you know? And save that for social media, not the debate stage, you know? Right. Bring in, you know, bring in the people who love that in social media, but don't, don't do it in front of the, the entire country as well. Right. And I think, I think also another fault of his was a lot of, unconnected thoughts and a lot of points made that I didn't have context around. Um, even though I'm pretty well informed, I feel like he was saying things that I, I didn't know what he was actually trying to say. Um, I think one of it down in his, in his closing remarks, he made, I um, uh, just want to pull it up here. Yeah. He, uh, <clears throat> he says there's three branches of government, not four. And I a little confused by what he meant by that. Is that the Justice Department or, you know, and maybe yeah, that's where I need to study up. It's a the bit bureaucratic more. state. Yeah. 
Yeah, the administrative um, state. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and that's such a that's such a Twitter points. line. It is right. Yeah, where I think he failed to communicate on a debate stage the way you need to versus social media. Um, yeah, and, and I think when he was back in the corners, uh, yeah, he, and, and I thought actually, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, it was just that when he was, he didn't really fight back and he he didn't have ground to stand on on, on certain issues once well, he was I, really pressed. I thought, and this is going back to Pence again, like Pence is, you know, people forget, like Pence is a good debater. He he, he floored, is. he floored Kamala Harris. I mean, he took yes. care of her. Um, and, and, and that was at a time when, you know, the Trump campaign really needed it after that disastrous, whatever that first debate was. Um, but Pence, you know, Ramaswamy is like, I would, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to send money, you know, $27 billion to Ukraine. I want to take that money and put it towards this, you know, the invasion of the Southern border. And it's like, okay, that's a nice line. And then Pence is like, that's a pretty small view of America. And I'm like, boom, wow. <laughs> I, was, I was like, good line. Um, yeah, I felt, it, I felt it, very like empowered as an American. Like, yeah, he's right. Like America is good. Like, let's, you know, you know, I felt, I felt like he was a commander in chief in that moment. Pence was. Yeah. It, it did. It felt like he was. Um, now, at times, he would step back and be. I mean, he he would interject just a little bit too much, but yes. Um, it other than the times where he was interjecting a little too much, it felt like he was commanding the the stage. Um, mm-hmm. But well, enough about enough about Pence. What well, did you? Well, and I think one but, one more thing actually before. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. I Go think for it. He did a, a fantastic job of highlighting what Trump and and him did, doing that really well, without praising Trump and giving Trump undeserved credit. I think he was saying, "We did these things. Here's you know, here's how I helped with these negotiations with Mexico, or or you know, whatever the the situation example was at that point in time." But he didn't. He didn't like elevate Trump. Or he he understood that there was there needs to be a separation almost of there was a mm-hmm. before January sixth Trump and there was an after January sixth Trump. Let's focus on what he did well and how I helped and assisted with that and how I have the credibility to do that again. Um, without without really piggybacking off of Trump either and saying like, Oh, I, I rode the bandwagon, you know, it was saying how mm-hmm. he was involved in certain successes of the administration. Um, and then, you know, when it came time for um, defending Trump, he was very clear in his position. I stand with the Constitution. I look at the Constitution, what that does, and I follow that. That's the rule book. I won't suspend the Constitution. Um, and I and I, I also really appreciate the question the moderators asked of um, the the all the debaters. Do you think Pence did the right thing? Um, yeah, I think that was really. That was probably the most shocking question asked tonight, in my opinion, of really kind of putting the party on its heels of which way is this stage going to hold? And, and pretty much everyone well, showed did, support. Did I miss this? Penn. Or did Ramaswamy not it? Did... Yeah. This, the, did, this, I, the, I don't know if I missed Ramaswamy this or not, but did, did Ramaswamy answer that question? He was the only one who did not speak, I believe, on that one. Or... Uh, 
I don't think he I gave. I was like, are you? Right. Yeah, so and, I, and then, I got uh, that right then. DeSantis, DeSantis kind of answered it. I think that was a very, that was one of his weakest points in the debate was how he answered it. He was very reluctant to clearly say he supports Pence's decision on January or uh, would certify an election. And, but at the same time, he did, he said, yeah, yeah, you know, Pence did the right thing. You know, he, he didn't make it clear. And he kind of fumbled over that um, question. Yeah. Whereas many of the others, they said, hey, we stand with him. He did the right thing. And I think that's what you need. You know, at the end of the day, they're, they're competing for the nominee, but they're competing to beat Biden. And that's the key. So when it comes to an issue that should have a clear black and white, such as was the constitution upheld on that day or not, most of the people came forward and said, yes, it was, and made that very clear and said, you know, we are united on this issue. I felt, um, you know, the, the party seemed to be united where I, I, I didn't know going in if that question would be asked how people would respond exactly. And, and overwhelmingly, right. I felt like they threw the support behind Pence and said, no, the constitution was upheld. Let's avoid this. You know, let's not have Harris be able to do this when we beat Biden and, in 24, um, you know, made well, it very also clear. also a lot more support for Ukraine, too. I mean, I, I think that, um, yeah, there was a lot more people who said that they supported funding, um, giving Ukraine more aid than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that I thought that was really good, too. Well, I think the line was drawn on foreign policy experience and not foreign policy experience. Ramaswamy clearly doesn't have foreign policy experience, in my opinion, to understand that the U.S., if you just pull funding from countries, that's not going to have an outcome that you want. You know, you pull funding from Israel. Ramaswamy was trying to praise Israel, but at the same time, he's very, he's on record yeah, that was saying so weird. funding. And so it's, you're sitting there saying, well, what, what do you really stand? And do you understand what would happen if that takes place? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, it's, it's, you want to say China's winning and China's benefiting from Russia invading Ukraine. Well, you said doing things like pulling funding from certain countries, we're going to have other yeah. issues. I mean, you on know, a I very technical know. level, mm-hmm. I, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't think that, I mean, I don't know Vivek. And so I have no idea right. if he has, if he, if he knows his shit when it comes to, foreign policy um but his but his perspective is a new perspective i don't i don't i don't think it's i think it's actually very representative of a certain faction of the republican party um mm-hmm. i mean giving funding for israel uh, giving yeah. for, foreign aid is just looked at with a high high amounts of suspicion uh in certain in certain parts of the, of the republican party and i think that vivek he was trying to tap into that because a lot of that overlays with Trump's space. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I, I think you could actually make an interesting argument about funding, uh, especially like uh, military aid for Israel. Like I, as far as whether or not it should continue, I, it, it's like, it's a wealthy country. Um you know, it, it's kind of like, should the U.S. give military aid to Ireland? 
mm-hmm. like or should it just give it military contracts like to me that that's a, that's like an accounting question you know and um it's it's more yeah. like, like how you do it not exactly well it's like yeah. it's it's like they're 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 a first world country at this point like their economy their their standard of life if you know it, it's why do they need to be given aid uh you know you know why can't they just buy f-35s from the u.s in in, in our military contract contractors like that doesn't i, I don't see why that's a yeah you know, and so if Vivek if Vivek went down that route answering that question i think that that would have been a much more coherent way to explain the position whereas he instead he was like we need to cut off funding for israel because they're like leading by example and i'm like what like because they have friendships i think there's like friendships friendship is like you help each other out or something like it was yeah yeah but it, it was like it was like we give them aid but they're i guess it's they're so sophisticated that we don't need to give them presents like I, 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 I was kind of like, all right, like I, I don't know. It, it, I, you had to make a, like multiple leaps to 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 find it to, to connect what he was saying with what his previous statements were. And so it's like, well, if Israel's a a highly sophisticated country, and it's um, and it's receiving aid from the U.S., like to me, the logical question is, why isn't it just receiving military contracts from the U.S.? It shouldn't be receiving aid. Vivek was like, we're not going to talk about that. We're just going to talk about how great Israel is. And I'm like, well, okay. Like, what? That's not like a debate. It's, it's just Yeah, I, it didn't make any sense. And I think that's where there was a few um, – I think he, he was one of them. I think DeSantis also could have possibly done this as well. Is If you're running for 2024 – you're also running for 2028 and you can't make the same mistake as George H.W. Walker or Bush. Uh, yeah. Bush senior there, you know, with the, I will, I will not raise your taxes and, you know, famously, you know, points his finger and you know makes it very clear. I'm not raising taxes. And then he has to raise taxes under his administration. And, you know, that costs him the election partly. Um, so I think some of the points made, especially with Ramaswamy, they aren't fully context. And I think once you're in office, would he still have that same belief or is he just trying to get views? Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Apparently I'm having a problem with my outlet. So I can't, I can't see you now. Yeah, hold on. Studio malfunction, folks. This is great. Yeah, I'll I'll text it. I plug a deal about the minute number. You did. All right, let's see here. Got some shady contraption here. All right. And you were saying, Jacob, in three. So, yeah, you're, you're running for 2028. You have to be able to stick to what your commitments are. So if you're telling me you want to withdraw aid from Israel and it's 2027 now and, and you're on the debate stage, 
and you haven't done that, and there's another a series of another other um, kind of positions made in a similar fashion of, you know, I think we should defund the Department of Education. You know, if you haven't done that, it makes you look weak. It makes you look like you're really just tailoring to a certain base. You're not really tailoring towards the future of America. Um, there's a reason why we do things, um, although some of those reasons need to be reevaluated. Um, but by just gutting situations, that's where you get dangerous. You know, famously, Obama wants to pull out of Afghanistan, isn't able to do it. Trump wanted to pull out of Afghanistan, isn't able to do it. You know, the, and there's a you can make you can see this time and time again of on the debate stage. There's no cost. They don't take the responsibility the of if there is cost at once the president, once they get into the office, the data changes on them. They, they really understand the bigger picture by doing X, Y, and Z, you have this reaction. Um, and I don't think that's well thought out in some of the points made. And I, I think Haley, Christie, Pence, I think they all did a really good job of if they were saying something, it's something they can actually work on. And it's not going to put them in a box, but at the same time, they weren't being shallow about their points being made. Um, they seemed like realistic, achievable goals that will move America forward in the right direction without kind of making these outrageous claims that, sure, there might be support around, but in the whole context of America, I don't think are practical or at least are going to be a lot difficult and very adverse reactions if, if completed. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, I think the funding department of education is a clear example of that by doing that, what are you going to do? Create a second, a new department called the non-existent department of education. And that's how you're going to fund schools. You know, like by defunding the department of education, getting rid of that department, you're just going to create another department because we're still going to have schools. Are you are you saying that we aren't having schools? Well, they might. Uh, yeah, I think they say that they basically yeah. want to fuse it with the uh, Department of Labor. Yeah. You know, uh, possible. Yeah, but and then if you know, and then the Department of Labor will just have its budget go up by the amount that the Department of Education had allocated to it yeah. in the previous and, and, budget. And that's where I don't it's think just, it's, it's a practical idea. Yeah. There's a reason there's separate departments. You want someone who's really good at education leading that department, the Department of Labor, you need someone who's really good at labor and all the nuances within the labor department. That's already a huge department that controls a lot. I mean, that's one of the most important cabinet positions. Um, why put more responsibility there on, on, mm -hmm. on one of the largest budget items of most states and in the federal budget or not the federal budget, but most states and local municipalities, education's huge. We need federal government to help facilitate funding for that and, and also project some. Now, do you need to reform the Department of Education? I think that's the approach that, that you can make and you won't put yourself in a box. Here's some, here's some areas that the Department of Education needs to be fixed. I think everyone can agree it's probably not a perfect system. So let's look at how do we fix what we have right now, rather than just saying, oh, I'm going to gut it, and that's the solution. It's not the solution. You're just going to make another bureaucracy in a, a different department. That's all. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that uh, Ramaswamy clearly has a... I, I, you know, I think it's important to actually try to take politicians at their word and then slam them when they don't follow it. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, I think if you take him at what he says, he believes he can conduct mass layoffs and drastically decrease the size and size and scope of government. You know, that's what he would. That's what that's what his pitch is. And you know, I I don't know necessarily what would happen if if that were to occur. I don't really think anybody does, and I think that's kind of the the quick access that a talking point like that gives you to, you know, people liking you. And so if I just go in and people are pissed off about a whole host of different subjects, like, I mean, you, you look at it, you know, it, like on, on the left, for instance, they'll say, you'll see that there's a Senate filibuster. Get rid of the filibuster. You know, and then they find out that, I don't know, the majority if you add up the majority of Republicans who, you know, if the Republicans control the Senate and then they add up all the votes that they got, they find out the popular vote is vastly more in favor of of Democrat senators to Republican senators. And then they'll say, well, we got to get rid of the Senate, you know, and then they see a mean video of an ICE agent and they're like, oh, we got to get rid of ICE. And, you know, it's, it's just like you see this on both sides where. Yes. Anytime, anytime something is is pissing you off. You just get rid of it, and it's like, well, <laughs> like, like, and that's what gets all the hoorahs. You know, that's what get all, you know, gets all the, the everyone's clapping, and you know, at, at the twenty thousand, you know, attend in, in, in the stadium. Uh, that that's what attracts all the attention and the glamour. You can wave, and be like, yeah, that's right. We're gonna just, you know, we're gonna get rid of the department of. I mean, what, what, why, why have any departments? Maybe, maybe, maybe departments. Maybe you should just say that like departments are actually unconstitutional. You know, just just say that. You know, and. And the only guy that should be running any any sort of agencies, you can have an agency, but the president needs to be the head of it and, and, and running it. And we need to get rid of the Department of Labor, the Department of Commerce, the Department of Education, the Department of Homeland Security. Just get rid of it all. You know, why? Why not? I mean, I'm sure they've all. Like, are you running stuff. for a position so, in government or are I, you going to be a volunteer position as president? Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're not going to have so, it going around yet. <laughs> And that and that's actually one of the areas. This is like one of the areas where I have, I would say, may, maybe more of um, of a liberal of a liberal tendency. Where, well, I, I don't have sympathy towards like throwing out the Senate, throwing out the Electoral College, throwing out ICE agents. Is, you know, uh, I think all that's ridiculous. But there, there does seem to be this this idea in like liberal philosophy that or li the liberal view of government. Uh, on the or on on the modern left, the the moderate left, where you can reform government, and conservatives will always jump at the opportunity that when the government fails, it, you know that that's just emblematic of of, of the it's, it's like it's the it's the governmental nature it, it, that that government is inefficient mm -hmm. and that it can't be run better. And I'm I'm I've never been solely convinced on that. I think that you can have governments that operate at a higher level of efficiency than others. People, conservatives always talk about how, you know, the private sector is more efficient. I have to deal with hours, hour logging issues, you know, on my timesheet with the university that I, that I work for as security at the school, that I go, in, my, in my law school. It is so unbelievably bureaucratic. I did an internship at, you know, for, for, you know, for Governor Sununu's office. They get stuff done better than these awful bureaucrats that exist in you know at, at unh and you know i and so from a from a philosophical level i i don't really think that you know getting 
just just throwing out government agencies is necessarily the uh it, it might it might solve the problem from the fact that you have inefficiency, like you're going to have inefficiency anywhere, or you, or you have corruption as you're going to have corruption anywhere. But I don't, I don't think that necessarily is a persuasive way of saying this is the best course of action that we can take. Like, I, I think mm -hmm. that the Department of Education, there are reforms that you can put into the Department of Education that would safeguard it or, or not safeguard it, but put it in a better position where the concerns that conservatives have are recognized and are addressed at a level that they would find at least mildly satisfactory and would be right. in in yeah it would be comfortable enough for for people on on the left to have uh to also be in favor of and so that that tends to be my right. it's, it's so just you know but if i if i want to go and like live it up at the at the debate i could just say you know, throw out the whole just throw out the whole damn thing, burn, burn it all down, you know? Yeah. And I think education, the education question they asked, you know, math and English is on the decline, you know, kids aren't learning how to read and write. And, um, you know, how would you address that? There was a number of responses and it was like, well, we just need to gut the system and here, you know, get rid of X, Y, and Z. And, um, you know, I think Nikki Haley did a really good job of kind of trying to humanize, like there's teachers at play here who work really hard. I mean, if, if you, if you know a teacher, I, you know, I know a handful of teachers, they are working super hard, long hours. Yeah. They're the emotional drain they have as well. Cause they, they go into the classroom and they see a kid who is wearing the same thing for seven days straight. And, you know, just has to grapple with the the difficulties of that education today our school system is so much more in my opinion than reading and writing although that is a key performance factor for them they need to be able to educate but you, you go into any school today it is a hub for everything in the community when it comes to children and what happens what has kind of happened is there's been so many issues that are left unaddressed. And when it comes to the children, they come to school, their lives are transparent to the teachers and educators, and they, they can't just turn a blind eye because not only does that impact the classroom, they also just setting these kids up for failure, which is not their job. And they are committed to their job of, of trying to teach the kids. And so they're providing services, connecting them with resources, connecting the parents with resources, whether that's helping the parents maybe get education on their own or whatever the the need of that family is it, it's so much larger than that and mm -hmm. um, the school systems today are picking up a lot of the essentially holes in our society that used to be picked up by um, so, uh, civil groups and churches and things like that which are not doing that anymore to what they used to be a lot yeah, of those I mean they have to bear the brunt of yeah, mm -hmm. because yeah, they're, I mean, they're they like the, the, the only one you can't turn a blind eye. So like mm -hmm. I can I can live my life if I want, and I don't really have to think about all these issues. Someone who has a good job and you know doing okay for myself, and you know I don't have a lot of needs personally. I can I can probably live my life and turn a blind eye to all all the needs around me. Whereas a teacher sitting there with a classroom full of children 
even in in good areas, good schools and and you know, like a middle class school district, they still see the needs of kids and they they have to address them. I mean, they can't turn that blind right. eye. And, and so I think when we talk about education, it does need a switch. Reading and writing is key. I think how many of them talked about civic tests and and teaching um, what civics is, that's huge and very important to do. And I think we need to really bring that back. It's not, you know, I think a lot of people's frustration is because they don't understand how the system works. The system's not designed against them. The system's there to, right. you know, protect the majority, but support the minority. Um, well, everyone's and, so obsessed you know, with think, like what, um, they're, they're, like everyone's thinking like, what, is my kid going to be like given some like pornographic novel if they, you know, happen to stumble right. into the middle school library and reach up to shelf number six on aisle C and it's like, okay, like, is that really the issue that education needs to be focused on right now? Or, or is it the fact that we have very, very low literacy rates by for the fourth grade? And that's Correct. a high predictor of whether or not you graduate high school. Like that's a great point. You know, I, I thought I thought Haley nailed it <laughs> when she said that. And I was yeah, like, I think yeah. Haley nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, she said I think she said yeah. there's there's some woke woke funny things happening, but here's the the real issues. We need kids reading, writing, you know, we need these things happening. We need Votech, right? Make sure Votech's in every high school and properly funded to support uh, the demand for Votech so that if a kid wants to go to Votech and that's the correct route for them rather than, you know, university then they, they have that option there and can go get a good, you know, sixty seventy thousand dollars $70,000 job with no student debt straight out of high school. You know, those are solutions that work and are practical. And you, if you talk to mm -hmm. teachers, um, they're going to say, Hey, here's, here's what we want to do here locally in Lancaster, our Votech, our countywide Votech is basically filled and our, my local school district um, is implementing Votech into their school. So they, they say, Hey, the County Votech is not, is, is, you know, full. So we're going to create our own. And so they don't, they have limited, um, classrooms for that, but they're in areas that had high demand for services. So I believe like cosmetology was one of them. Um, and you know, they are seeing a need and, and that's what they're addressing. And they're saying, hey, if we can get more funding for Rotec, we're going to expand this. But, you know, we just can't. Um, so those are some practical solutions without getting focused on like the woke, hey, is there, or is my kid watching porn in, in school? Yeah, there's cases of that. You can find cases of that. Um, but it's, it seems like so often that like, that's the only issue in our education system. And that's why kids don't know how to read and write. It's like, no, those are more or less isolated incidences. Yeah, you can find them. And, and oftentimes parents do step up then and, and the system corrects itself. Um, and yeah, a couple kids are harmed in the process, but you know, that's where parents need to step up and, and it's taken care of. Um, so I think that's a problem that's being solved and we can continue to work on preventing issues like that, but it's, it's not, it's not the main issue of why kids can't read and write. So. Uh, another takeaway from Haley was, I thought that she, she schooled Ramaswamy pretty, pretty good. 
when she said when she said that you know you've been attacking everyone here tonight and you know it's it's not appropriate and you don't have experience on these topics and it shows and i was like that, that yes. was the well, i mean and- i thought ramaswamy self-owned himself a lot um oh yeah but that one i felt like that was the one it was hard to land a punch on him you know when he wasn't punching himself um uh, you know doing all the finger waggling and stuff but uh I thought that was I thought that was a good I thought that was good I thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, because you know he tried jabbing her, which she's tough. You know she's not she's not a soft cookie, and you know he I think he said I look forward to your future on the Lockheed Martin board, and there was another I think defense contract board he mentioned, she's, she's and so... she's like you have uh... you're going to make America less safe, and you have no foreign foreign policy, and it shows like. It was a very mature and honest attack on him. They say, hey, let's put you in your place because you're out of line here. <laughs> I, I appreciated that of yeah. kind of calming any pointless jabs. Well, the problem that I have with Ramaswamy is that he's too he's too dogmatic in his presentation sometimes. He... Mm. he he kind of comes off as like the the firebrand preacher that only the people in the congregation actually like and everyone else. It's like the moment you leave the congregation, you're like, oh my god, whoa, that guy's crazy, you know? Um, and yeah, good point. Yeah, I, 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 and so and so like when he says things that I like, I like him. Like he had a, he was asked a random oh, question yeah. um, on on abortion, and he said we need to reform our, you know, the discussion on the frame. The, we need to reform the discussion on abortion. We need to talk about how pregnant moms can tap into social security early, or you know, pregnant women can tap into social security early. How we need to hold men more accountable. I mean, he just went, you know, point by point how we make you know adoption more accessible. And I'm like, thank you. Like, yes, the nuclear absolutely. family is the best form of governance. That was a good line. Yeah. Uh, now yeah, he he said perfect. it though, I'm like just yeah. like yeah, and but but still, like he said it, and, he, and it's like he still looks like an inflated balloon sometimes. Like the nuclear family is the greatest thing known to humanity. <gasps> you know, it's like I think that's what everyone <laughs> expected that he'd do when he like left stage. His he'd shrink. You know, mm-hmm. the man's like five eight, by the way. Is he really? That's funny. I always love it when you meet when you meet someone, especially like a politician, and you you know, you think they're all big and mighty, and and they're like Mm. significantly shorter than you think. I I, like oftentimes they're like that's what's impressive about him. Yeah, but that's what's impressive about him is that you you watch him on stage, and you say, "I swear that man's six one," and then you get up there and you're like, "Wait, I'm taller than him." That's weird. Um, it's not like anything's wrong with it, but so, it, I, I always think like I don't know. It's just my perception of if they sound smart, they're taller. And, oh, and I think there's some studies about that. Even of that's just a natural bias people have. But um, so um, yeah, I don't know. I just drank the rest of my beer. This beer was weird. It's, my roommate drank the rest of the lagers that I had. And so that was great. And in 
Instead, he left a citrus wheat beer, Summer Crush. Ich. Is that yards? Ich. Disgusting. <laughs> so, that was loud. Um, <laughs> but um, I thought someone that we should talk about actually was uh, was DeSantis. Like, what did you? Um, I think we, you and I, might have just a different take on how DeSantis did. What was what was your take? There needs to be a. He's in a tough place, I think, in a, in a certain way. Sometimes he does it to himself as well, and I think what worked in Florida and him and his, I mean, he dominated in Florida when the rest of the country had a blue wave with a red wave expected. He was the only one who had a red wave in Mm -hmm. Florida. And I think what has worked and how he communicates in Florida, I don't see it translating it to the presidential seat in in a strong, clear way that brings people in like he doesn't seem compelling in what he's saying even even when he was saying something that i agreed with and was fully on board with i didn't feel compelled like we talked about mike pence you know commanding the stage i didn't feel he ever ever did that um i don't i can't yeah. think of one highlight and, and, and ramaswamy can be very compelling too i mean yeah correct yeah agreed yeah yeah kind of that charismatic and you know, I think that's part of his strength in a way as a governor of, you know, he just gets the job done. But then he, you know, him picking certain um, culture battles, I think that's going to catch up to him. And I think you're starting to see that a little bit here of people not really interested in it and different culture wars that he's picked. And, and a lot of times he's, he's won them, but I think he's, he's going to die out. I think that was help elevating him for a while. And now he needs to focus on, all right, how do you win as a president? Um, which he did well in Florida with, you know, getting people out, registering to vote. He had a massive swing in registration towards the Republican Party in Florida, which then mm-hmm. led, led to his overwhelming success there. There's there's so, certain things that he's done and he needs to really duplicate and highlight and show that in a compelling way. I don't think he's communicating that well. Yeah, I think that's reason his campaign is is you know he has good polling numbers 50 you know he's the second highest after trump but it's declining and he hasn't yeah, found it was in the mid 20s right yeah i mean the thing the thing with DeSantis is like i hear this from like my moderate republican friends it just makes me roll my eyes for like i think he's a he's a fascist or or whatever like he's not he's not truly free market because he's you know he's a he went after Disney. It's like Disney had the most privileges out of any state, out of any company in the state of Florida, and then it chose to, you know, stick its nose in the middle of some hot, bu- you know, hot button issue. It's like if you're getting special privileges from the government, shut the fuck up, like just shut up. It's like if Lockheed Martin came up and said, you know, oh by the way, uh, we're gonna use all the resources to like fund politicians, uh, to make sure that the war in Ukraine, uh stops do, do you does any rational person here think that the u.s government like you know uh, 
I don't think we're going to continue that contract, you know? And, um, you know, it's so, it's so, you know, I just, every critique on DeSantis to me just falls absolutely so flat and so sad. Um, it's, it's like conservatives want an enemy. They don't want to have to have the discomfort of stand, fighting you, um, defending somebody who's actually getting shit done. Um, and Wait. yeah, the stuff with the don't say gay, the don't say gay build or, or whatever, all that such nonsense. It's like, yeah, I mean, you know, is it, is it that hard to defend a bill that doesn't like introduce children in the third grade to sexual orientation? Like, is that you know, or or, or are we just hiding behind you know a slogan the left created and we're uncomfortable talking about with our friends at our cocktail parties at the, well, at the local think... you know country club? And like I. I think it's that's with a DeSantis, thing it's like marketing. Sorry, just real quick. Yeah, yeah, no. It, one of the I, biggest I, I, thing is marketing, yeah. PR. PR is very important. The way if you have a good policy, don't market it in a way that's going to make it sound like a bad policy. And I think that's a key factor in the Republican Party right now. Is you is you lose people's confidence by the language used. Even though it's a policy overwhelmingly with support in America, um, you can find countless examples mm-hmm. of this. And it's like, wait, no, no, that policy benefited you. You love that policy, but you hate the name. It's similar with you know Obamacare versus the Affordable right. Care Act. Um, you can find, I think Jimmy Kimmel, there's clips of him walking the streets saying, do you support Obamacare? Oh, never. I would never support that. Do you for- support the Affordable Care Act? Of course. I love it. <laughs> it's like, that's the same bill. You know, there's no difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Democrats is, yeah, learned from that, that example, and they, you know, Biden has been very conscious, especially with all these stimulus packages, um, of how to market them and making sure that they get out and people feel that they are good. I, I don't think the Republicans have yet to well, really understand. And the thing is, that. DeSantis. See the thing. The thing about DeSantis, though, it's like, look, he did all this controversial stuff. I mean, he did sign like the six week abortion ban and the open carry law, which I thought was just come on man like did you really have to pass that you know um i thought i thought that was i thought that was a little silly um but mm-hmm. like like desantis he i just lost my i just lost my train of thought um where, where was i going with that um oh yeah i'm sorry so so he won a re-election bid by 20 points and this included the the don't say gay bill this included the war on disney he attacked the number one employer in the state of Florida and won re-election by twenty points. Right, twenty points. Winning Miami okay. County and by it's, it's just yeah. you know, oh, it's the it's the anti-market guy. You know, it's it's the anti you know pro-business guy. It's like what what are you talking about? Florida's economy is doing great, and and so, mm-hmm. um, it, it, well, I, I guess where, where where my frustration with uh, DeSantis is is that I, I feel the critiques. I, I, I feel like he's actually the effective politician. He's the guy who actually gets things done. He has a real track Correct. record for accomplishing conservative goals. And then you have some schmuck like Ramaswamy come along who can say things smoother. Literally, that's it. He can say things Correct. smoother. And he starts, you know, getting support from DeSantis. Uh, it start, you know, it starts uh, sapping or sipping or whatever the word is. Um, Support from DeSantis, yeah. and I'm just like, it, you. It, so he's talking about we're going to defund this department, we're going to get rid of this department, and I'm like, DeSantis 
literally fired prosecutors that were, I mean, ah, sorry, but going against the uh, state constitution. Exactly. Exactly. He's mm-hmm. the one who is winning clean house it. the entire Florida. Like, yeah. Yep. And so he brought in all his own right. people. And so, and then he's up there. You know, he's sitting there. So DeSantis is up there on stage. And why do people kind of cringe? Because he can't smile well. Like, yeah, he introduces he himself. Hi, I'm Ron DeSantis. I'm the governor of New Hampshire. Uh, governor of, of, I'm the governor of, uh, of, of Florida. You know, in Florida, you know, we, 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 we have a massive surplus. We, you know, we, we defended parents' rights. Um, you know, we took on woke capitalism. And uh, you should, you know, we're, we're going to turn this country around. You know, it's like you get that weird, like, eh. and it's like, ah, oh, God, oh, what, what, what was that? Oh, you know, and, and and then and then literally, literally in the debate, this is what just made me want to scream at DeSantis was he used the words "a time for choosing." I'm like, stop being Ted Cruz. Not only do you look like Ted Cruz when you smile, you're much better looking than Ted Cruz, by the way, Rod. But you look like him when you smile. Do not use the word a time for choosing. That is the name of Ted Cruz's book. Okay? Like, shut up. And you know, he he had some yeah. he had some strong, you know, statements, I think, tonight. Like he talked about the message above all, you know, the importance of being on a mission, you know, and and, and translating how he took how he focused on one thing and how he was a mission-oriented guy in Afghanistan and Iraq to how he was a uh a mission-oriented governor, a mission-oriented governor, and he had specific objectives that he accomplished. There's nobody on that stage. There was nobody on that stage who is more accomplished and has done more things that are in step with the conservative agenda than Ron DeSantis. Nobody. Mm-hmm. And possibly Nikki Haley, but yeah. <sighs> but no, I, I mean, he's, he's his track record I, speaks for itself. I think. Is what you're saying. I agree with you. I agree and, with you. And, and, and he marketed it and he and the things that drove the headlines were his accomplishments. And now the things that have to 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 draw the headlines for him is photos and interactions with voters. It's everything that didn't mm-hmm. drive the headlines before. It wasn't that Ron DeSantis, you know, people thought that he looked charismatic and you know, had a nice smile and, and, and knew how to have a coherent conversation with you without you feeling awkward. People knew. I mean, people people knew this guy couldn't debate. He did awful during the the Gillum debates. It was the fact that he was a governor and he passed meaningful legislation that had real impacts for uh, for Floridians. That's why he won re-election mm-hmm. and that's why he was getting headlines. But the problem is, is that our whole political system is set up in a way that that stuff doesn't matter anymore. And, and and so you have a guy who's sitting up there who's more accomplished than anybody else on that stage, as especially in the short run. I mean, you're talking about a guy yes. who has a hot bat, you know, who, who you know who, oh, yeah. who who over the past twenty games has been hitting like four fifty eight, you know, or you know, and and, and 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 if there's anybody in that lineup, you one up with the bases loaded in two outs, it's Ron DeSantis, and then it's mm-hmm. like, but, but. I don't know. He has a pink bat, and that's kind of gay. So we don't, you know, we're, we're the Texas Rangers. We're not a very woke baseball team. So we're just, we're just going to kind of put that guy, and we're going to throw up a pinch hitter who 
or a couple guy from the you know the minor leagues who you know has no experience. It's like what? I, I'm not sure where the baseball analogy came in from, but it, anyway, I'm sorry, I'm pontificating on and ranting on and on and on. But yeah, I think you're, you're hitting it on the, the nail there. Like there are great things that people will jump behind. You know, people in Florida's life are better than they were prior to what he did. Everyone else on stage talked about what they used to do. He's talking about what he's currently doing. Um, so, he, you know, he's living with the reality of today and governing in this environment, which is much different than it was pre-COVID. Um, so, you know, ride that wave for him. But at the end of the day, he just looks weird. I mean, he doesn't, you know, he had his like, you know, he has his middle part or whatever. And, and you know, he does like a whole, just stands there. Like, I didn't feel like he had legs. Like, move around a little bit. He just stood there like, oh, I'm Ron DeSantis. I, I, I uh, keep people from doing bad things. That's that's not correct. I, that, I disagree with that. It's like, okay, well. And yet, if he was being hired to be the nation's CFO... If he was if he was going to be the CFO, everyone would like him. Like, yep, he's awkward, can't put together a coherent sentence, kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. But goddamn, that guy's good with numbers. Like, you know, you know, that's like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, that that should probably be yeah, edited yeah. out. <laughs> he's like he's like the CPA. He's like the CPA on stage, the smartest guy in the room. But like, everyone just kind of falls asleep when they listen, and you just you yeah. trust what he's doing. Yeah. He's a CPA, but uh, you don't really understand what he's doing, and but your life's better for it. And okay, cool. <laughs> um, right? Yeah, I like that. It's, yeah, CFO. Well, he's not a CEO on stage. Yeah. So I. Uh, anyway, well, we are coming up on the hour, so this this has been it's it's getting late. I got my I got my classes tomorrow, Jacob. We're running. We're running past twelve thirty. Yeah. yeah. So well, hey, this has been well, this has been a fun. special episode. Of, yeah, special episode of Yuppies and Harpoons. Yuppies and Harpoons. If you guys like this episode, presidential be sure to like. Oh, I think there's some overlap. If you guys like this episode, be sure to like and subscribe. Jacob and I greatly appreciate this, and uh, it means a lot to the channel. Uh, if you have a negative review, like some of my friends, I won't name any names, please message me privately. Uh, I know you don't have my number. Uh, so if you don't, then just don't do anything and ignore the channel. So we'd appreciate it. All right. Until then, we will have another podcast coming out. Uh, this is the fourth one. Uh, we will hopefully have this up early Thursday morning. Um, the following podcast, Jacob and I will be having on a friend of mine named Dom Damaso. He is the host of Logos Project, and we will be discussing the movie Oppenheimer and the philosophical, historical, psychological, moral, theological, all this stuff, all the implications that are just saturated in the movie about our culture. Um, tune in next Wednesday for episode five of this podcast to hear more about Oppenheimer. Hope to see you there. All right, until then, Jacob. Have a good night, y'all. Yep, he's in our team. All right.